Welcome, Obi-Wan. Welcome Yo. to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this be here the show where we try to take interesting folks such as yourself, and then we try to walk through your life, learn as much as we can about you, and then extract as many knowledge nuggets as we can to enhance our overall experience and understanding of the universe via your experiences of the universe. And so that's what we do here a little bit. And it's great to have you here. And uh, in order for us to do this right, to add, to like open it up with the proper standard opening question, we do need you, Mr. Obi-Wan, to just give us a little bit, like just tell us where you start your life a little bit and just the beginning parts of it, not like past the beginning parts, but we do need to know where the story of Obi-Wan begins at like the, say the first five years, just location wise. Five years. Well, first five years, I will have to say New York. Born and raised in New York. Um, I've been writing music all my life. Awesome. But it's just trust. We're going to go through all the, the writing music parts. We just needed the New York. So we started the story in New York. And now I got my proper opening question. And when it lands, you're going to see why I'm doing this. It's going to be like a conversation. We're going to go through it. It's going to be proper. And it is a little bit of a story. It takes a couple seconds to land. And when it does, it starts, though, with my girlfriend. And my girlfriend, she's sitting there one day washing the dishes. And she's got her phone open. And she's playing that Black Eyed Peas song. The, I got a feeling. And she's dancing and she's vibing and I'm looking at her and I'm going, when in the fuck did this song become dishes music, right? Like when did this become some, some, something we put on a workout or to clean or to exercise? Like, yo, when did it become this, this song that we put on when we're a little bit bored and trying to go back to linear times in our life? Because if we think about this song, run it back about 10 years. That guy is like the highlight of the middle of the night. Everybody's drunk, dancing in circles to that in the clubs and the bars and whatever. And then 10 years goes by. The song doesn't change at all. It's the same song. But now it's like chores music and all this other stuff. And I thought it was so fascinating how over the course of a decade, the context that surrounds the song could like evolve so much into something else, right? And then with that, I thought about ourselves as, as music people and how we're like all on these journeys and shit. And then like these kids and stuff, they're all in the club listening to like Cardi B's and whatnot. They have no idea that in, first of all, 10 years, they're going to be doing dishes music. But then that's going to be like dishes music but then i realized yo for us it's dishes music now like yo if wap comes on i'm like yo that's like you know that's some dishes music because that's where we had in life <laughs> this is that club music becomes that for us but when we think about our own journeys and often like you know you watch the interviews you see the way people start it it always starts with like so i found hip-hop when i and it's like okay first of all it starts before we found hip-hop usually usually it's not the first thing we find in our life but also everybody's so focused on this adolescent age when we form our identities it's almost like nobody exists before the age of 10 according to interviews on the internet which i find so kind of weird because i can think all the way back to being like four or five years old right and my dad's got these gray boxes up in the apartment, the amplifier and the tape deck and the radios. And it's got the wires going to everything out to the speakers it would take him like 20 minutes to set that up when we moved and we bust in his Led Zeppelin tapes. And at nighttime, we got them 90s Montreal club music bumping through the speakers. My mom, she's more into like discos and musicals, whatever it is, what it is. And it's just like this whole thing, like all these different sounds and experiences and things kind of shaped a lot of my musical identity long before. Or I had any real control over what 
I even wanted to listen to it. It was at least a decade of music before that point. So I was hoping you could run us back, Mr. Obi-Wan, to the youngest Obi-Wan you could remember being and tell us a little bit about what it sounded like to be you before you had any real control over the music. Okay, I love your, I love your, um, your example. So that gave me a clue what I need to say. Um, <laughs> my mother played R&B, old school. You know, the joints you hear back on the TV at 12, 1 o'clock that you get the cassette tapes for all free hits. She, um, yeah, she, she, she always, that's always been some part of influence in my life, but it hasn't, it, it hit me at that time when I was like five and my mother's cleaning up and singing Luther Vandross and just cleaning up and washing dishes and everything. And I'm, you know, singing it, but not knowing what it is, but I'd start moving. The next day, you know, I hear that song everywhere, and I'm just liking the music. My mother was the first one to put me on the rap. So that between that five and seven was my education. Interesting. Of, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I, when I did, I was, I was very, like, indoor. Like, I didn't go outside like that, say to myself. So everything I got late. So I got old school R&B. And then from seven to nine, from seven to 10, for some reason, I heard pop, nothing but pop. I don't know why. And then from there, huh, after huh. that. So at 10, we still got stuff to go through. So you're saying that you're a little one, you're up inside, your mom is basically being the DJ inside of your home, kind of putting you right. onto the music. But you're also in New York City, way back in the day in a whole other vibe. You gotta keep in mind, I'm in Montreal, Quebec, right? I guarantee you people watching this be not all in New York City. So a little bit, <clears throat> what's it like to be a little Obi-Wan growing up like that in that kind of an environment? What's that city kid, bro? Um, you know, struggling to get by, going to school, not having the right fit, getting teased or whatever. Like, music was my, my outlet. You know what I'm saying? Like, the little Obi-Wan wasn't the Obi-Wan now. Like, mm -hmm. Mom's was working hard, could only get what we could afford. So I went to school, I got teased, of course, like everybody else, but you know what I'm saying? Like, but I didn't let it, it bothered me, but I couldn't do nothing about it. Right. Like it was what it was. Like I came from this home, like if you unfortunate, you had the people help you or the cool drug dealers on the corner back in the day, giving kids money to go to the store or just to stay inside and off the streets. Yeah, that, but mostly, yeah, I, I didn't have the gear, none of that. So I, I, I stuck to my schooling. And when I was around my mother, uh, listening to music and trying my best to not get in trouble. That's, so you're basically inside a lot then is what you were saying. Yeah, I was I was the opposite of always outside. Like I had no to be outside. Like I was a WWF fan as a as a person. That's dope. So I mean like Monday night raw, you know what I'm saying, before SmackDown ever came into play. Uh, shoot, like I was I was inside. Like I was a little I was a little dork, I can honestly say. The little Obi Wan was a learner. That's all right though, because I mean Little Obi-Wan grew up in a big Obi-Wan and honestly most people be learning at some point in their life if they get up being successful. It's a good time to be learning when you're young. Also, 
There's a lot of correlations between the WWF and hip hop as you really run that gambit, yo. If you really want some good promo tactics, study wrestling. I'm not even gonna lie. It's got some of the best shit I've seen. Um but with that, all right, so you're a little one, you're kind of geeking out on some stuff at home, but are you also up to, like, some stuff like drawing? Are you a little dancer? Like, you know, what's the vibe like? Oh, my, my, I couldn't, my brother was the singer mm. in the family, my little brother. I had a deep voice like Barry White, but could do nothing with it. So at a young age, I'm like, hey, you know, oh, you little Barry White, all this. I'm like, why y'all told me that? He's like, because you have a deep voice. You know what I'm saying? But my brother, my little brother was the, the, the he had the voice sounding like, um, oh, why is he, what is Tony Campbell? He was the singer, Tevin Campbell. There you go. My brother sounded like Tevin Campbell. So if anything, I was going to be the backup from, you know what I'm saying? For him. It was always singing, but I just couldn't sing. <laughs> it was like I was the ugly duckling of the group because <laughs> mm. I could not sing at all. But y'all was like making music and stuff at home. Like we would, we would always be singing. Like my mother would have us. Like my mother was very when she did music, she danced, she sing. Like she was performing on stage. So we got into the the fact of performing with our hands, singing, dancing. Like we in a music video. So every time my mother had us sing or sing some old school song, we did it together. My brother was lead, you know. But it was just playing around. Like we, my mother always loved music. And it's like we always played with it. The, the idea of being a musician ain't hit until I heard my first, not my first rap song, because I listened to Big, my first rap video was a P. Diddy one with the Bad Boys. And once that, I'm like, Mom, what's that? And she's like, oh, that's rap. And it's like, oh, I'm like, and then I wanted to learn. Say I was like, oh. So let me recap that right quick. Y'all be clocking all kinds of performance experience getting your, your your groove on understanding the dynamics of moving with the music studying the tactics of just performing as an artist at like a young one long before it ever became applicable i bring that up because like it counts right like whatever the hell you did when you're oh. six it counts when you're 30 something it counts whatever in life it's practice it's part of that ten thousand hours and crap so like you might be rusty but like it counts it gives you a foundation <laughs> towards other things right and that's an amazing well, thing to like hear about it also gave confidence mm. to, we could do it to friends and family without no problem we should have not no problem to do it in front of people like in apollo and stuff so that's how my mother did it. If you could do it here, you could do it anywhere else. She was like actually trying to train you a little bit to be showman. I, I think my mother was just trying to give us confidence. Okay. And what I wanted to do. Like once my, my brother was saying, like I went through phases. Like I, music was always there, but then I had a basketball phase. I had a drawing phase. You know what I'm saying? I went into my, my growing up tough phase, but I always went back to music. So, you know what I'm saying? No matter what it is, once I was on that music phase, that's when my mother was like, what are you doing? And also, I had an anger problem when I was younger. So, I had a lot of help creating the music I have now. Mm. You know what I'm saying? My therapist, I'll never, I'll, I can't forget her name, but if I ever see this, if this lady's still alive, I'll give her a freaking hug. She always told me, when you're mad, write it down. Okay. That's a very helpful so, tip. And... As a youngin, uh, like I said, I got picked on a lot. So instead of fighting and all that stuff, which I didn't do, I wrote it down. 
So I had practice at writing from a young age because it was my therapy to write my anger down. Once I heard rap. When did you, when, how old were you when you first heard rap again? Oh man, it was the Bad Boys. Um, It was, was it was Mason P. Diddy. Um, mm. I think a more problem we see. The more money, more, the biggie one there. Like, I'm coming out. Like that one? Yeah. 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 My mother, like, oh, they, they messed up a good song. They messed up a good song. Last day. Is it Diana so, Ross? I think I might be wrong. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Ross in the um, in the oh my god, my mother's literally in the room, my Costco. But um, it came to that, so it was like instead of you know, I was writing angry, but it would match, so it'd be like stupid motherfucking pits. And my mother's like, you know, you're rapping, right? I'm like, no, I'm just, she's like, no, you're rapping. You're just making the last two end. Think of it as poetry, but just angry and you're spitting it with a rhythm. So I was like, all right. And then she was like, you know what? I'll show you somebody. And then she started putting me on to LL, um, you know, Biggie, Tupac, KRS-One. She made me go back. Mm-hmm. That's, so that's super nifty, right? So your mom caught you rapping by accident. And instead of like dismissing it by the chick, used it encouraged you to like pursue it further and use it as a tool to manage your emotions my first my first fan was my mother yeah, that's amazing she was the, like she was like once i learned how to write it down and she seen me like working on it she was like now all you need is confidence now all you need is this now mind you when i really got into it it was around the time of I don't know. We, I don't know if we're in that conversation yet, so I don't want to bring we, that up. We're basically running it chronologically, but you can reference <laughs> it, go back forth. It's all good. I'm following. Oh, okay. you know what I'm saying because um, around that time, I ain't gonna lie. Eminem kind of helped me with the the anger because it's it, as funny as it sounds. Is I was in a situation where at one time my mother I went into the foster care system, so I had a lot of anger but I was in situations where I was getting bullied or whatever. So writing became my best friend. So I end up listening to Eminem in 99, if I'm not mistaken. And it was some song, it was so freaking crazy. My, my fourth mother was like, turn that off. Who's singing that like that? She was going crazy, but I liked it. I'm like, yo, whoever this guy is, he's going off. So, Slowly but surely, I got to know who it was. I wasn't able to buy the album because she would not let me buy it, and I was too young, and she wasn't buying it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I became a big like it was just always I was bounced around a lot, so it was like bounced with music. Like my mother, whenever I was with my mother, she always taught me like R and B smoothness, the, the the realness of the music, to put your heart into the music talk about the stuff that you've been through this time the third it makes good stories she put me on a dmx um like dmx i ain't god rest his soul dmx man Facts. you know what i'm saying like he showed me like you could be aggressive but you could be real you know what i'm I, saying i feel that man dmx is literally possibly one of the first rappers i ever listened to my dad for some reason when i'm like 12 has volume three and then there was x in there so one of the first cds not alone one of the first cds in full i ever heard is that album i was like a 12 year old with no idea what the fuck he's really talking about but man yeah bro the song i miss you 
by DMX featuring Faith Evans mm. be a way to express my feelings towards family members. Not in the same perspective because I haven't lost nobody at that time, even though that song was about him losing his grandmother, but it showed his emotion, how he could, you know, talk about his family, but say it's in that way he's not dogging everybody. Say one here, one there. And it showed me like, yo, you could, you know, LL's not the only one. Because if you rap like LL, I'd be like, oh, LL Cool J, too sweet. But people forget LL was a monster. Like, yes. he was... That was a monster, like the goat, you know what I'm saying? So I was just trying to learn how to put the aggression, but also keep the realness, the, the smoothness, the honesty, you know what I'm saying? And we don't have that a lot in rap. So I try my best to, to keep keep my rap honest, you know what I'm saying? But my mother, DMX, Biggie, Bad Boy, period. I don't, you don't know how many times I bought, we invented the remix. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like I was, I was on, I was on a bad boy wave hard. Oh, it makes sense. So basically, like you're kind of influenced by all of that, and at the same time, you decide you're gonna start rapping in the sense of you're just writing it, you're doing your thing. Are you like performing it for people at that point as you're young, or is it more like you're kind of keeping it on the low? I kept it on the low because of the confidence thing, like. And when, as I got older, I didn't have the confidence. Like, I did a couple of times, like, I spit in the classroom to a friend or two. But once I got to, a, like, an open thing and I spit, and the way the kid came out, and it was all it was all fun. It was all funny, but I got discouraged real quickly. And that's what made me, like, fall back into a shell and just write on her own. And I was very discouraged, going against people or just rapping with people at a young age. Like, mm -hmm. my confidence from performing with my brother to the confidence of rapping with my, my classmates was two different things on two different levels. And because I wasn't consistent with the rap when I was younger, uh, like, I had my phases, the basketball phase, you know, football phase, going through your girlfriend stages or whatever. I always found myself going back to it after. Like, after, if I didn't do well in sports, I'll be rhyming. If I had an issue in fight, I, of course I'll write. But I didn't put choruses and stuff into it until I think my first heartbreak. Mm. My first heartbreak. And I was listening to I Don't Want to Know by Mario Wines. And I was learning how, because I, I, I was writing little songs here and there, but I didn't know how to make it into song form. I didn't know how to count my bars. I didn't know anything of that. So once again, my mother had, uh, she was cool with, I forgot the dude's name, but I ended up meeting, I forgot the dude's name. I met somebody from, from Def Jam when I was younger, and he gave me a piece of advice on how to count my bars and stuff. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like I took it and I, and I was working on it, but then again, I got discouraged once again. So it just, kept pushing it away. I got discouraged a lot when I was a kid, but I always kept writing. It's yeah. like somebody that like that got something and just afraid to use it. Fair, but you're also like young, right? I feel like sometimes we put these really like huge expectations on our past self, but like what I'm hearing is when I maybe wasn't putting that much effort into that shit, 
you was out there learning how to ball. You learned how to draw. You went out there. God, you didn't even talk about the drawing yet. But you went ahead and learned how to do all this shit. Plus, you've been performing since time. Plus, you like so. It's like by the time you're like eighteen, you know the amount of shit you've actually done is pretty incredible. If we look at it now, like yeah, the little. All I say is it helped me be what I am now. That's huge. You know what I'm saying? Like it helped me. The first time I went to the studio, I think I was seventeen years old. And it was a guy that used to have like he did music or whatever. He and I rapped over the um Anne Marie one thing. Oh my god, it was so it was so horrible. But I was happy because I recorded my first like thing. So it get me hypeness to buy all the sycamore instrumentals, all the instrumental volume threes and then sit there and just so once I got that I got my first taste of recording it was off it, i was off to the races yeah i'm gonna say recording your first track at 17 is still pretty big of an accomplishment regardless of who you are because that's like huge it is but at the time of the time i was living in best Buy, brooklyn you know saying fabulous is like new york one thing new york is that celebrities pop up anywhere you don't have to be in a a famous place for a celebrity to be at you know what I'm saying? Like, you go one part in Harlem, you can see Dipset. One time when I was incarcerated, Ja Rule was across from me and Life Jennings was in the next cell. Like, you, one thing about New York, you'll always see a famous dude. And it's like, man, recording that joint was good. But what happened that messed me up, I ended up moving to Tacoma, Washington at 19. So there was no music. It was a whole different sound, West Coast type of feel. So I could say for the first time in my life, I took a break. I got a job. Even though I wrote here and there, you know what I'm saying? I was still writing. So before you go to Washington, right? But you're in New York, right? Because that's 17, you make your first song, and 19, you go to Washington, right? So what's actually, are you like performing in that point? Are you putting out a bunch of stuff? No, I'm just like making things. I'm make I'm it's all making. I'm all nothing but writing. That's the one thing I did, like through all through being homeless, through going through shelter systems, I'm having a child. Between the ages of seventeen and nineteen, all I could do was write. And I knew I had a good ability because it just I kept on. It didn't matter. Any situation I was in or I wanted to talk about, I you know what I'm saying? I wrote it down. I wrote about it. Once I learned how to put it in um, music form, I wanted to tell a story. Right. So between that, I was learning how to storytell, you could say. And so what makes you decide to go to Washington? Oh, man. It, my sister's boyfriend was killed over a foul in a basketball court. It was all in the park when it happened. I killed over a foul. And my mother got to the point where she was like, we're going to, this like, this is too much for us over here. So she moved first to Washington State. That's that's a big jump from Brooklyn, New York, all the way to Washington State. Um, and me and my brother stood back for a little bit. We tried to thug it out on our home, but the landlord wasn't agreeing with us and so we end up, me and my brother end up packing up and heading to Washington State. Mind you, we took a bus there. So, 
<laughs> How long of a bus yeah. ride is that? That sounds long. Three days. Fuck me. Three days. 22 freaking cities. That must have not been the funnest bus ride in a pre-internet like internet on your cell phone times. To be honest with you, it was actually great. Because I met, I met people on that bus, and which was weird. Met people on the bus who either sung or did music. So not all the bus rides was quiet. Like a lot of bus rides where people was talking and, and well, I guess just communicating with each other. And it was, it was All-Star Weekend, too. So that's why a lot of young people was on the bus, because it was an All-Star Weekend when we left. But I got to meet a couple of people who was helping me on music and, um, you know, teaching me a couple of things. You, you'd be surprised what you learn on a three-day bus trip, 22 cities, meeting all different types of people. But by the time I got to Seattle, I had... You just made the most compelling argument to take a three-day bus trip I've ever heard a human make. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. Yo, at that time... At that listen, at that time, the, the the hottest cell phone out was the Sidekicks LGs. <laughs> I believe at that time, I, was, I know I sound crazy old, but I'm yeah, sorry, it was. I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> I can tell you, man. Like you would have thought that bus ride without no internet, no video game would have been hell. But it wasn't. But listen, without. No cell phones, without no video games, we gotta come. We have nothing else to do but communicate, and I think that's what we feel at now because we have all these devices mm. and we always doing this, but we don't actually communicate face to face. Yeah, I feel that. So, the last day before I got to Seattle, I was talking to this this guy who played the guitar, and I asked him, and I always remember this. I asked him, I said, "Yo." Like, what give you the confidence to, you know? He was like, listen, I write about my life, whether you like it or not. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's my life. Everybody go goes through the same thing. We just go through it differently. Different areas, different things, but we all go through the same thing. Why is my song not relatable? He said, a song that you, you got to make a song about your life, but you have to make it towards it's relatable to everybody. He said, that's why a lot of people get to a lot of people went through the struggle or a lot of people went through this you got to tell your story but you got to tell it your way you know what i'm saying and you just got to make it to where people could hear it and that was like the best advice i got from anyone and he got off in let me not wow what was the stop before seattle was it i uh, he was somewhere <laughs> up there I trust <laughs> i don't even know anything about the state so we good i just know it's over there <laughs> This is, this is somewhere, uh, I think it was Dakota, North Dakota. I'm pretty sure North Dakota where we dropped. Because the bus stop, bus station was some some store, and there was nothing but desert all around. <laughs> Yo, it was crazy. But he gave me the best advice, man. Just just write about your life. And, like, everybody goes through the same thing you go through. You know what I'm saying? It might not be, oh, drugs and gangs, but some everybody goes through. Everybody has loves. Everybody has loss. Everybody has gains. Everybody has faith. Everybody has upbringings. Everybody has downcomings. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has it. You just got to make it to where everybody can hear it. And once he told me that, I looked at writing differently. Like, if I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to tell you a story. But I'm going to tell you a story about me, but I'm going to tell you something that's something you can be like. Because the one thing that was still in me is old school music. Right. 
I grew up off it. I still listen to it now. 2001, you can still hear me playing Luther Vandross or Jodeci or whatever. Because it's like, I don't know. The mu- I'm not saying music is whack now. I'm not saying music is whack now. But music back then meant something different. That is what is missing. I think what really <laughs> changed on that one, because I have this conversation a lot and a lot of people say that, um, is that pop music changed drastically. And back in the day, uh, the streets, in a sense, controlled sales. So people were drawn to substance. Thus, if you look at the charts as a measure of popularity and sales rather than anything else, not like what people like, but just those two metrics, back in the day, the charts were a better reflection of what people were putting their money behind. Gave us an idea of what was hot. Nowadays, man, I don't think Billboard counts for shit. But all I can tell you is if you want to look for substance, man, I did album reviews for like four years. Easy. I used to like follow what came out every week. And I used to stop doing like the billboard people and start looking at the underground. Everything everybody wants gets made every day. But the problem is, is that none of these people are going to be billboard stars. And that's the huge shift. It's that billboard changed more than that music changed. And unfortunately, our understanding of billboard didn't evolve with billboards evolution or like the way you look at the grammys like now it's like bro everybody just knows it's who bribes it best wins type of thing so it's like different you know back in the day you know it was a so like these things have shifted so i'm like it isn't that music like doesn't have substance it's that pop music might not have substance right now that is you're right on that one you hit that one definitely on that one definitely so yeah, no, I just think about it a bunch on that one topic. It comes up a whole lot. But um, with that, I hear what you're saying. And uh, I like the part where it's also like that relatability element. I feel like sometimes people take the talk about your life thing a little bit like, like okay, like you're going to talk about your life, but like they didn't hear the story and the struggle and it doesn't like have any purpose or meaning to reflect your life. It's more like you focus too much on the generalization without enough on like, I guess the wisdom extracted or something, right? Like, what did you get out of it? Like, what? Did, like, that's to me where like a, a personal song gets interesting. Was like from that conversation, like I got something out of it, but it was like more of a I wish I could talk to him again so he could break it down for me. So I had to learn on my own. Listening to music now, whatever, it's like you could I put it, but it's like you got to put it as small. Like you only got sixteen bars to explain. If you're gonna write a story, right? We only got six. <laughs> so, so again, as a youngin, I was good at writing. So you know, writing essays and short stories and stuff, I was very good at. So, sixteen. Matter of fact, it's technically thirty-two because if you count the other verse, so I had to learn. It, it was it was a long process and. I didn't learn until I got incarcerated where I had no other choice but to work on music. So, I mean, I just want to add to that. You said 2001, you're going around then, right? So if it's at that time, it's not like just for the people out there, like you can go right now and find some musical theory motherfucker on YouTube that has an animated video that will walk you through everything you want to know about counting bars and songwriting. Hell, you can learn how to sound engineer. Back then, oh my gosh, that is not the reality. You know, like even I, we didn't even have the internet at home in that time for me. Like I had the internet maybe if I was lucky at school or whatever, you know, like, like shit just isn't the same. So I feel like it's very legitimate to like describe the experience of having to teach yourself all about this shit. And like, 
all the people that did teach themselves how to make like write bars and count day sixteen because you know how hard it is when you don't have somebody to tell you to count your bars. Like I had, I was already in my twenties when somebody told me I'm putting too many words and stuff in my bars. Yeah, I mean, I I remember one time I was already putting music out and this guy's like, I don't think you're on rhythm. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? He's like, yo. I thought it was because maybe you were going fast, but then I listened to all this fast shit, and no, you're not on rhythm. Listen to when the beat punches and when your rhymes hit. You're off. And we're talking like I thought I was good and shit, and I got like screwed. <laughs> and this guy's even a rapper. He's just a guy who listens to music, and he schooled me like that. And I'm like, I'm going to say a word. I was like 26, too, right? Before I even – and then I'm like, oh, that's – then I started my pocket quest where you start trying to understand what the pocket's about. And like, so yeah, I hear you, man. Like without actually having somebody like take you to the side and like actually show you some shit, it's, it's really like you might think you're doing great because you don't hear what you're not hearing. Three notebooks in Rikers Island of Rhymes. I gave it to my lawyer so she can back to me when I get upstate. To realize I'm sitting there, and it's not somebody older. It was somebody very younger. Like, I was 23, the, no, 24, the kid was about 21, 22. And I'm like, he's, and I'm rapping it to him, and he realized I keep messing up. He's like, bro, you got too many words in your, your bar. He said, can I see that real quick? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I realized this boy cutting out the lines, and I'm looking at it. I said, yo, how do you do that? He said, bro, you just do understand. And he, somebody younger than me taught me how to count my bars, spit my bars. And I'm not I'm not ashamed to say that because, you know what I'm saying? Because you got to learn from somewhere. And him taking the time, and he was next to me in my bunkie for like six months, and then he went home. So for them six months, I every advantage to go over every music I ever wrote within jail or when I was writing while he was next to me to figure out and look trust me it still took longer than what the fuck it was but it took that six months trust me that six months I did two and a half years upstate did the two down down so I had five all together I took that six months and I forced myself to learn how to put my bars together while I'm putting too many words into my lines Riding the beat and all that, I was performing and, and rap and singing and stuff, so I knew how to flow on a beat. That was never the problem. Putting too many words in it, because you reading it and saying it out loud are two different things. Facts. Or sometimes you say it, right? Like, you think it sounds good, but you're not hearing what it really sounds like. And then right. the problem it, is, it, is because you oh. wrote it, you hear it really good because you know it right and then you don't hear what other people are here that was the that took me a long time to understand like way too fucking long in my opinion to really understand what it was to like not stuff syllables and to try hard with it once i learned how to do that and i came home my friend shout out to psych shout out to harry if he's watching this cast generals it's like a little brother to me we when i did music i influenced him but I didn't know when I left and he went another way, he kept it going. So he's really, he got his shit all the way up. Shout out to him. And so when I came home, he gave me notebooks. He gave me a, a, a what is those things called? Jesus Christ, an iPad touch hmm. thing where you put the music on from the computer for the, and he gave me that. 
some notebooks. So I don't want to like delve too much into like jail and shit because what it is. But are you saying like you went in before the iPhone shit like really popped off and then you come out and then it's like a whole bro, new fucking world? Bro, when I went, when I went, I'm trying to tell you the phones I remember before I went to jail. I went to jail in 2008. So the sidekicks, before the sidekicks, it was the Boost Mobile commercials. Remember yeah, those? Yeah. The, where you had the whole city behind us. I got locked up when uh, when uh, when I was still with the sidekicks. When the right. sidekicks was so that whole five years from '08 to '13, I came home to something totally different. I must have been fucked up. I went then to a PlayStation Two. Came out to a PlayStation Three, Xbox Sixty to an Xbox Boy. Don't get me started. Is that, like, cool? Was it, like, yo, this is dope, or was it, like, fucking weird? I felt out of time. I only did five years, but the, within that five years, was a really dr- dramatic change. Like, people was iphone um Samsung's was out. Like, I was grateful enough to have a Nokia. I was thinking about the GameCubes, and then when I come out, there's PlayStation things, and, like, it was a little wicked for me. You know what I'm saying? Because even though the... Even though I'm in jail, I'm watching TV, I'm watching everything that's going on out there, but I'm not out there. Right. So it's like... Jail is like a place that keeps you trapped in time. Interesting. That's that's the best way I can say it, because everything will go by you. But while you're in there, you're stuck. No matter what you hear, you're stuck, because you're not moving along with life. You're stuck, but you're just hearing pieces and stuff. If you drive through a town... And you hear a couple of things while you're driving through town. You're just driving through town. But technically, you're in the car. You're not seeing anything in town. You're passing by. Same thing with jail in a perspective. You might hear music. You might see the new music videos, see the new kicks and all that. But you're not touching none of that until you get out. You're not experiencing what it looks like, how it feels, or anything until you're out. So right now, it's just you in the car passing by. Right. Man, that's crazy. And then between that also, you go from music being fucking extremely expensive to produce to you can do it in your fucking bedroom. I went to jail. There was LimeWire. <laughs> yeah. You remember LimeWire? I do. I will never forget that. Right, LimeWire. You know what I'm saying? Get back. And it's like YouTube has the entire fucking literally, music, everything on it. <laughs> literally, I went to jail. It was MySpace. I came home. YouTube and a Facebook. And you're like, oh boy, different times. What the fuck is this? You know, I think it's interesting that you said that just because, like, for me, a lot of the benefit of doing this show, I see even called Bridge the Gap, is just like, you know, I just feel like I don't know a lot being like a person that had my experiences in Montreal. Like, I didn't see the other sides of Montreal. I don't know what it would be like to have a five year jail gap and how that could impact it, but I certainly know people who do have that experience, and I have to maybe deal with some people who have had experiences like that. And then it's like, okay, sometimes you get frustrated if you're a person you don't understand why certain people may struggle to adapt to circumstances or things like that. But I could see how, like, five years away from life or even a year away or two years especially with the way things are going now it could like really take it to a point where it's super hard to just acclimate to the pace for a very long time that's a wild consequence of jail that i've never thought about 
when and I'm telling you the reason why I say that because I wasn't I was never a materialistic guy. I was like working on my music here and there. But once I went to jail and came out and noticed the difference, not even oh, I see you in Mad Long Room, that the, the growth, the things that are doing now, the laws and everything, it, it switches up on you. And even if you be like, oh, you you watching TV, but you, you see what's on TV, seeing on TV and actually living in two different things. So the con jail, like like I said, I when it, when I went to jail, I had I had a I a I eight seventy. Tell you what kind of phone I had. I had an i eight seventy, a Boost mobile phone. Right. To come home to seeing Samsungs and and iPhones. I'm like, what the hell is that? You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I went, I went to jail with MySpace. Came out, seen a Facebook. How was that? So how how do you do? You like okay? So now you're out, and you like you get all this stuff. You're getting. I guess you get the iPad. You're getting exposed to it. Like, what do you, does this like feel like now an opportunity to push or is it like overwhelming? I'm going to tell you the funniest thing about that. I got everything three days after I came home from jail. I seen my friend. My The mother of my children was murdered, killed, and thrown in the garbage. Oh, three days. Three days after I came home from jail. But I didn't know. I was told by my parole officer because it made the news in Washington State. So... Any idea that I had that I was going to do was rocked and thrown in the garbage with that news. Wow, I'm sorry. Like, that's big news. Yeah, yeah, because I had, I became a single father like that. Thinking I'm coming home to a woman and children came home being a single father to a child that's seven and seven and five years old. Now, mind you, I did, I, I did. Out of five years, you do four years, three months, and 12 days. My children, my oldest was babies, three and one. I came home when they were seven and five with no mother. That must have been an insane adjustment. I mean, because they don't even know you, and then there's no transition, and now it's just the law says y'all is together, and it is what it is, and they might not... Were they okay with it, or is that, like, fucking weird? It was... It was... It was because they seen their mother, and the last time they seen their mother, then they went on a plane, came over here for safety, and then I came home. So they were more happy to see me because they haven't seen me in a long time, but more question of where their mother was at. Once I found out what happened, I can't even lie. Like, the only thing saved my life was music and drugs. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Because I was stuck with the decision. I could have found out who did it. I'm pretty sure I have an idea who did it. But I had the choice of go back to jail to leave both of my kids with no parents to go kill this person that killed one of their parents. So I had to struggle with that. And then I don't know if anybody had personal loss. That's my first personal loss. I leaned on music and drugs so bad you would have thought I was somebody. Oh man! If you listen to anything since you've been gone, like on Sith Lord, that was rewritten. Cause the first one I wrote again when she died, I leaned on music so bad, and when music couldn't help, I used drugs. I was no 
type of shape, bro. I lost my children's heart because, you know, apparently I was unable to take care of them. And also, they was used to their grandmother, so I take them out of the environment that they used to, which I agree. You know what I'm saying? But I was in a fucked up shit. And music was the only thing that kept me from really, like, losing it, bro. So you're, so you're creating music at that point? Are you releasing it or are you pushing I'm it? I'm it at, at that time. But it's I'm doing it on SoundCloud. Like I said, a friend of mine's once he heard the news, like he knew he knew my baby mother and like it was all family. So we they pushed me towards music because they knew how angry I'll get. It was like, I don't want to see you back in jail. Let's just work on music. Let's keep you above water. You know what I'm saying? But I was drowning really bad. You know what I'm saying? And then when I lost him in court. It was bad, really bad. But end up, end up meeting somebody within that time, and then I had my son, and she brought me out to New Hampshire, mm. where I met Struggler, who's a friend of mine's Kareem, who was into music. His son was really into music. Found out I was into music, and I did a track with him, and. It basically brought me back to life. I had a goal. That's dope. So now you're in New Hampshire. I guess you have more focus at that point, and you make that track. So I guess uh, at that point, what happens? I don't stop. <laughs> fair, fair enough. I mean, so what comes, I mean, like it, more specifically, what comes after that? Oh, <laughs> um, with the timeline, I did a couple of tracks with him. Knowing that he had a studio and the studio was only two blocks away from where I was staying, I wrote every day. I wrote to beats. Even though, like, I wasn't used to recording, I kept doing it. What did I have to lose? Right. And once I kept recording, 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 um, we uh, it became a something happened between our ladies and I had to fall back from the um, from the studio. But I kept writing. And I kept writing, I kept writing. Then I met my boy, Travis, who's part of Angry Boy Collab. He put this ad out. And when I tell you God shows you things in, in, in your worst situations, he do. Because I was in the worst situation. I was on the verge of quitting. I was. I built a booth in my house and everything, but couldn't know how to mix a master for nothing. Bro, when I tell you I was ready to give everything up, I even to the point, I remember... Recording and trying to mix and max a Charlie Soul when he came to my house because, right. like I said, I was I'm been rapping for um, me and Charlie Soul, and that's my boy right there. So he came to my house one time and he rapped over the Biggie Smalls beat. I was trying to mix and master that, couldn't do it. I was getting frustrated. Then one day on my feed, come come master your stuff, maybe two hundred dollars for like five hours less than that i'm like oh that's reasonable angry boy collab and once i got there he gave me it's he saw it's like he saw potential and shout out to travis shout out to angry boy collab and everything because he saw something that nobody else could see and he finally tell like showed me and told me the things that i needed to do and i dropped you uh a g 
DS. I always got you ain't gonna do shit, but I always like to put their acronym or whatever. Once that song dropped, once I made that music video and realized that that video got to ten thousand views in four days, I was like, oh yeah. How, how did that happen? Just like you. Um, listen, at that time, I can honestly say I wrote the song. My man, shout out to Shrug, sent me the beat like, yo, why? You need to get on this beat. This shit sound tough. And, and one thing about an artist, I don't care who you are. If you hear that beat, that's so fucking, mm, it'll take you long to write. Not it will that. not take you, right? I don't care who you are. You hear that one beat that just got you like, your pen is going fast. Your pen might go faster than your mind some fucking times. You know what I'm saying? And when you get that song, you get that beat to get that song. It was catchy. You ain't gonna do shit, man. Shot the video with a couple of my couple of my friends. Shared it out. That joint went to ten thousand. That alone gave me confidence that I can do this. This was not a whole bunch of time wasted. I have a real talent. And what made it so great that the guy that beat that I used, David Forth. Shout out to David Forth. He hit me up personally and wanted to work with me. So from that one song, I've been working with David for for two years now. Two years, yeah, two years. And two years, yes, two years. I work with this man hard. I work with Angry Boy Collab hard. Like they have made me a better artist. Shout out to Grizz, Sketch, Zorg, Charlie Soul. Kill Murray, JX Speedo, who's in Canada. Shout out to him. Um, is Montreal over Washington State or it's over? Yeah, we are New York. We're over New York and Vermont. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, I forgot the city over there. But, oh, that's on top of Seattle, but that's where he's at. Shout out to him. Vancouver? Um, yeah, he's over there with one of my bandmates from um, Canada, from yeah. the place. He's definitely nice. But everybody gave me the confidence. And also, I love the fact that when you get into a right group, there's no, like, there's no beef. Like, Travis would tell me, yo, bro, you need to spit that a little bit more better. I'm like, all right, cool, bro. Like, I don't take nothing personal if you're trying to help me become a better person. Yeah. A lot of artists these days get offended with criticism. I, t- I take all the criticism I need. Once I fix whatever it is I fix, and I change our opinions from, eh, to, yo, I, I mess with that, then that's an accomplishment. Mm. I fucks with that heavy. A lot of people take a lot of things too critical. And I think it's because of the age we're in to where people are sensitive. I was born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s. Let me me ask you a question, though. And before that, shout out Golden Jenny from Norway. What's up? I see you in the chat. Um, But, like, how do you ask for feedback? Or, like, how does that conversation normally go for you? Like, who do you ask? Oh, Oh, okay. Because depending on that, I may have an answer for you. I to be honest with you, I think I try to go to people that are real honest, real honest people. Like even if you're not a friend of mine's or not, if I'm cool with you, if I'm like, hey, can I bother you for a second? Is it possible you can listen to this and tell me what you think? Like the worst I could get is, oh my god, that shit is trash. Like I can't get nothing worse than that. You know what I'm saying? So I ask. Like I ask my lady, and she's honest. You know, sometimes I don't believe her, so I go ask. You know, my it's. it's it's hard to ask people in your corner because you feel like they're going to give you, tell you something that you want to hear. Yeah. 
even with Facebook friends, they'll be like, yo, tell me what this. Nobody's going to really get on your Facebook and be like, yo, that shit is trash, bro. Nobody is. Nobody's going to really do that. So how do you find that? Big facts. So that's a kind of so that level of like discrimination, right? That was the thing I used to I faced for a minute what I would call feedback paralysis, right? Like I started asking people what they thought about shit, or you do that like thing where I would, but the, the people I'm asking is just people, you know, like that maybe like in my mind I'm trying to get views or whatever. So you start hearing, I started hearing completely contradictory shit all the time. Like this guy wants me to do this thing, but if I do that, it's the opposite of what that person said. And that shit fucked me up for a long time. Cause how do you listen to feedback on that front? If like you get a lot of it and it's all saying different shit, it became kind of useless to me. So I got like freaked out by the idea of it. So then I started asking smarter people in my opinion, people that I wanted feedback from people that I felt would give me feedback that I could use in a way or another. And I started asking more of them. That and better questions. Facts. Yo, Sean, uh, shout out uh, fucking King Canada, had the best fucking question. How does this make you feel? Like, how does this song make you feel? And I'm like, oof, nobody can fuck up that answer because it's just how the song makes you feel. And you can use that feedback. I'm like, oof, that's a good question. Very good question. Shout out to King Canada for that. Yeah, because, like, what do you think of this is so open-ended like that? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's not asking anything. It's just saying, here, listen to the song and regurgitate an idea back at me. It can be useful if the right person gives you an answer. But um, I don't know. I think about that kind of shit a lot. You you know you know what I do? At first, because I didn't get, like, if I, I'll play my song and sit there and I'll drive around. I don't, it's like, if somebody hear a good song or plopping or, I mean, they go ask, yo, who is that? You know what I'm saying? So I play, I let it play by it. I'm chopping up with somebody or to a couple of friends of mine or to, you know, and I let them hear the song. People, I let it play to people that don't even know I rap. Mm. I'm not even going to lie. That drinks fire. Who is that? Oh, that's me. Ask people that don't know your profession. Yo, yo, I heard this song. Think of this song. I need your honest opinion. He's either going to figure out it's you or give you his Man, in fact. I'm telling you, no lie, no lie, it worked. It it worked. You go to somebody be like, yo, yo, this song is fire. Who is that? I'm like, I right, put it on, yo, this is fire. Check this out. Or either they like it or they don't. And it's up to you if give your honest opinion if it's you. Some people be like, yo, that shit is horrible. Like, where about stop playing with me? That's my song, bro. Like, oh no, you know. And then he gonna give you a fake opinion after that. But you got the real one in the beginning. Right. Yo, that's big knowledge so, nuggets. It's all you got to do, man, and just like, because as what Mary Sprite would say, you don't, you don't need yes men. No, you don't. So you, so you definitely need to find people that's definitely, and I, and I, like I said, I do that. And that's why I make different types of music, so I could get different types of listeners. Not everybody's into hardcore rap, so I do a Spanish song, I do a club banger, I do something that's more of a hip-hop, R&B, smooth thing. You know what I'm saying? I like to touch on everything. So when somebody, I'm like, yo, listen to that, what you think? And I want to praise God, because I haven't really got bad feedback. <laughs> I haven't really got... I mean, if you spent, like, what, 20-something years writing before you really start putting shit out... It kind of makes a little bit of sense that your shit's so tight as it is. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm influenced by music itself, man. Like, but like, 
I mean, the perfect. You ever saw? I don't know if it's out there because it's not on that on platform because of the um the sample. But I got a song called Never Can, right? Never Can is a, basically a male version of what Jada did to Will. You know what I'm saying? And if you listen to that song, they'd be like, "Oh, this joint. What you talking? Nah, it's different. I just like to do different things." But it's also like within what you're doing, man. You can hear a clear and concise voice, right? Your precision on the flow is proper. You also know how to not hog a beat in a way that's super interesting. Like the song comes first in almost every feature and call oh, Listen, let me tell you something. Automatically, the song comes first. If I have an idea, I'll give you a prime example. I got this beat. I don't know if I could play it on here or not if you can hear it, but I got a beat called versus Capcom. Okay. Would you like to hear it? We can we can try. I'm sure it'll play all right. Well, let's see if it'll play, right? I got this beat. You gotta put the speaker. I think you're covering it. Or, or... Nah, it's Zoom's being an asshole. Zoom's doing it's like fucking... Zoom has a setting that like suppresses shit in the background. It's actually kind of cool. But yeah, so Zoom's doing its thing. It's all right. I got, got, I got this beat. I'll send it to you on Messenger, and you'll know exactly what I mean. I have a beat called Marvel versus Cap. You know what I'm saying? Basically, I had somebody take the Street Fighter two beat and um theme and turn it into something nasty. I love to have fun on a beat. I love to make good songs, cool songs, great songs. I like to test the waters to see if it's shark infested. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying it's more than that. Because I heard your shit, right? Like, I'm coming at this from my, like, I don't know, man. You're coming at it with a level of precision and confidence in the flow and delivery. The versatility in the topics. The the way that you're hitting multiple beats. Like, there's, like, I'm just saying, this sounds like a guy who's been writing for 20 years more than it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate appreciate it all, big bro. But what it is, like, the road I took to get here. So, it's nothing now. Like, I look for Tone Wars was my biggest challenge because I did things so different. You know what I'm saying? I, I was being real. I, I did something for the Mandalorian. I threw my Star Wars things in there. We're also doing the other things. It's also, I try, I do a lot of planning, bro. I buy a lot of notebooks. <laughs> tell tell a us a bit of- about your planning process. That sounds super nifty. I, my thing is, every time I, I pre, I pre, I pre-do albums. What I do is that I would, when I started this thing, I said I would do as much albums as Star Wars movies. So there's nine. Right? And I wrote down these nine, these nine albums will have to reflect off everything that I did. So I said, let me name them all. First one, Sith Lord. Second one, Return of the Sensual, third one, Clone Wars, fourth one that's coming out is Skywalker, fifth one that's coming out is Chosen One, sixth one that's coming out is Last Child, and the, um, the, you know, he's getting the notebooks. All right. Your respect for Rock real. And, 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 um, and the last one's going to be called Jedi Master. So yes, I, bro. When I tell you, I pre-plan everything. I write everything, bro. Like, like I don't. 
<laughs> Yo, I respect. Nobody ever pulls their phones out and does this. That's cool. Are you, are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? Like, get it, yo. This is what I do, and and if well, I don't know if I can show the camera, but if you look, the last one on the bottom is two ten two thousand and fifteen. We're in two thousand and twenty one. Been writing for a minute, stills. All I do is write. Bro. Like all I do is during a pandemic, I got better. <laughs> I love that. I love the conviction I'm in not, it. Bro, like what am, I told people: if you sitting there as an artist in a pandemic and you didn't get better, oh my job, yeah, my jobs was lost. Yeah, I felt that too, but I kept writing. I kept going. This is the time for me to get better. This is the time for me to do what I need to do. I love my team. Oh, we got good spitters, song artists, and everything, bro. I work. I, you have to match my work ethic. I'm going to go as hard as you go hard. Love I want to be at a level. Like, why, like I tell people, why can't we all eat? Why can't we all sit at one table, like King Arthur, and eat? I'm pretty sure we could split a pizza, right? So we could split money. We could do this. We go put this work in, put it in the work. Point blank period. I ain't 20 years of writing, yes, because I wrote. I put in work. I'm, whoa, every lesson I learned, every criticism I took, every song I did good or did bad, I took that, I turned it into fuel, and I kept going. What am I stop for? Um... I don't know. I'm, I'm the same kind of way, so I don't have a good answer to that question. But people do. <laughs> I hear lots of reasons why people might stop. But, I mean, I agree with you. Um, I saw it, like, this whole time. I mean, I got work from home, right? So I didn't get hit by job loss. My girl, my girlfriend did. So we, the household got hit by job loss. So it wasn't all, like, fucking easy times. But, yo, I got work from home, which gave me 10 hours of travel time back a week. And I'm like, say a word. And all of this is going on. And I'm just like, yo, I... I like, you weren't allowed to go anywhere. So you have two choices. You're going to be bored or you're going to find shit to do. Is how I looked at the situation. And I don't remember the last time I was bored. So, I mean, that's where I'm at with my life. I forgot what boredom is. I'm not. I'm never bored. <clears throat> it's got to a point where I could look at a day. Like, I have a day and I want to write a song about it. Certain TV show, I want to write a song about it. I got to the point where I'm confident enough so I will do whatever. Like, I'm trying to get a country song made. I did Spanish songs. I got reggae songs. I got songs with Texas with people singing. I'm trying, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to test the water. I want to see what I can do. Like, okay, I got this confidence. I'm getting all these good reviews. Yes, I'm putting the work 20 years. I keep writing. As we talking, if you see me look down on my phone, and because I thought of a bar and I wrote it down because I didn't want to get it lost before this interview is over. Say a word. <laughs> That's what I do, bro. Like, I want... And whoever, like, that's just, I love, I love to work. I love to work on my craft. Music, I feel, is the only, like, I'm a great parent. I'm a good friend. But music is the one thing, bro. Like, and I, and it's like I told you in the beginning, I grew up on O&B old school. Oh, R&B old school. I was supposed to sing. I can't sing for shit. Right. So I lead to next, next thing. I also learned the ability to create good songs like being real let you go 
know what I'm saying? Shout out to all the early 2000s, too. That's what influenced me on making music like that in the early 2000s. Never get that era back. <laughs> get that era back. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm all about work, man. I'm all about work. That's why, that's why like, Charlie Souls, my man, Travis, Grizz, shout out to BTP, Kofa 811. I've worked with people that work. Mm. If you got a great work ethic, it's going to show in your music. If you got a trash work ethic, it's going to show. Nobody wakes up early and nobody wakes up in the day and be like, yo, I'm nice. I'm super nice. It ain't going to be. And one thing I don't like about like things, because nobody could be real honest, but you can tell who's what. And for people like for you to say that, I appreciate that because I have put the work in and I will continue to put that work in. I believe in myself. I believe in my talent. All right, so now that life is like opening up, what comes to that? What are you going to start to do differently to get to the next level? Oh, look at my last last situation and go buy that totally different. Go buy it brand new. Like summer vibes, I'll give you a perfect example. Summer vibes is all about summer jams. You know, I even rushed that a little bit, and it came out you know okay, popper. Now my lesson from that: don't rush it. Mm. Um, make sure you have your features way before then. You know what I'm saying? Make sure that because trust me, all day I can put the instrumental on all day and that's what I'm listening to all day. If I need to get something done, I need to get something done. Um, I want to study more like because if I want to talk about more Star Wars thing, like I said, I got a song coming out called Marvel vs. Capcom and my stupid bond took Capcom and this guy got Marvel. <laughs> So I got to study to make sure I don't get slaughtered, but I'm pretty sure I won't. But Look, you got to study Capcom lore right now because of the because of the game. Fuck, right? Listen, Marvel vs. Capcom. Marvel. So it's a oh, fight. I gave him Marvel. If you think about the video games, Marvel have all the... And I realize I'm being a dummy that Capcom don't have that much. So this my back is against the wall, but I love it. <laughs> Yo, but on the other hand, because he's got Marvel, right? You know, he's probably going to come in heavy with heavy hitters. So you really just have to think about the underdog position and how to flip shit like a reversal in wrestling. I, um, when I tell you I got this planned out, I've already got how I'm going to put my ad libs, where I'm going to put my ad libs. I'm going to use some in game sounds to go into the flow, bro. Trust me. When I plan something out, I want it to be fire. And what the thing is, I talk to I talk to my bro. Shout out to the statement. Shout out to Ryan if he's watching. This. Shout out to the statement. Cause he's the one that's doing Marvel. I call him every day. Leave me space, bro. Just leave me space. You know what I'm saying? It's a friendly competition. I love it, bro. We got to get better. Let's let's do this. Let's do something different. Yeah. Are you on TikTok? Yes, sir. That's dope. What do you do on TikTok? Uh, I do some music promotions. I show some music things, and sometimes I act like a goofball, depending on what it is. I like that. I like that your answer is just yes. I'm there. I'm ready to go. Fuck <laughs> that. I'm on the talk. Well, I, I, people like I tell people this. Sometimes I promote my music. Sometimes you know uh, I look for artists on it so I could you know try to get a song with or whatever. Trust and believe. I get a lot of notes before I get a year, but when I do get that year, I make that year fucking worth it. <laughs> right. I've been trying to like, I've been trying to just think about TikTok because I'm like, 
I, I like I like watching TikToks more than I like making TikToks. But then me and the next guy started rapping at each other and tagging each other. And I'm like, okay, I could get on board with TikTok more if I just rap at people. Like hit up Obi-Wan in the morning and be like, yo, Obi-Wan, have a great day. Go out there, get that bread, make it fucking rain. <laughs> I don't know. But like, yeah, uh, fucking do that. And then, going on. and like you get that TikTok in the morning and you're like, ah, oh, fucking hold it. Now you got to respond, right? Because you got that in you, right? Now you're like, you have to respond to that shit. <laughs> Automatically. Automatically. And so I'm just like, yo, imagine creating this call. So I looked at it like my imagination ran with it. Half the time YouTubers are interesting is because they already act like they're famous and shit. They already act like people care. And then there's like seven of them and they all talk about each other. So when this guy mentions that guy, you're like, who the fuck's that guy? Well, now that guy's there. I need to know, you know? So I'm like, what if like 30 of us just start rapping at each other on TikToks and then people start like stumbling onto this shit? And you're like, the fuck's happening here? It would, it would show up on the rap versions of For You pages, but that would be hot. Doing duets. But even Doing if duets it, <clears throat> doesn't even have to be like song songs, just like interacting with each other. Yeah, it could be. It, it could just be like you you throw a freestyle at me and be like, oh, okay, my my time to go and wake up. We can go and shake up. We go wake up. Just just go back and forth with it, and then people are like, okay, they go back with it. You get the views, you get the likes, you get the follows. Yeah, that's that's definitely. Mm, that's that's dope. Trying to get me to um shout out to Charlie Soul Man because that that boy mind run a thousand miles a minute. And I love it. His idea, his, 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 like I said, his work ethic. Yeah, he, he was a fine guy to talk to. His work ethic is, and I love, I love the way he spits. He reminds me of Nas. Yeah, you got real Tell energy me. to it. So y'all like, y'all like work together a lot. Like you are, you're all in the same area now, right? We, yeah, we all in the same area. That's what, New England, I think? Yeah, Manchester, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. And that's in, New England? I don't really know. Yeah, yeah, New England. I'm not like that good at my U.S. geography. We're well, going yeah. into like the places where I'm like, yo, who? New England has a Patriots. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm still getting used to that New England thing because I'm from New York, so it's like, but yeah, me, me, Charlie, Soul, Grizz, we all in the same area, blocks away from each other. Me and Charlie's family. Our daughters play with each other, and you know what I'm saying? Like known them since I've been up here. So he's that's family right there. Do y'all like, right plans to like go perform more and hit up the live scene? And is there like a big live scene where you're at? Um, not really. But he performed at the bar. I performed at a show pre what's the name pre COVID shit. And we just getting back into the swing of it. And now that we was always separated, COVID certain things. I live more closer to Grizz than to Charlie. Right, you know what I'm saying. Charlie's, you know, he works, and then you know his situation. He didn't lose his job, so you know he got to work during the pandemic. So it was different, but now he got a new job. We're meeting up more. And one thing I love about Charlie, he's like I said, he plans too. We plan it out. We sit there. We we hit up each other. We meet up. We talk. We go to the studio. We chop it up. Make new songs. And I love that. I love love that type of energy, man. Shout out to Charlie. That's super dope. So when when is your next project coming? Ooh, Skywalker. Yeah, I don't know. You know why I say that? Because I don't want to rush it. But as long as I get my features, I should have it by December. 
That's dope. But I don't want I don't I don't want to put nothing out this year because I already put out two projects this year. You don't think there's value in putting out more? Uh, I think it's good on waiting. If you like Clone Wars and what's the name, you sh- it should get people like yo. You know, I'm gonna throw a single or two, and I got you know I'm doing features with people. JP Papafillion, um, Kofa Eight Eleven, um, B Rockington. I got um uh the uh the other chronos i got a lot of features coming out so you'll hear me on something but skywalker i want that to be way better than clone wars and then way better than some of ours like i said i got the mall versus capcom i got the i'm gonna send you a couple beats on messenger you'll be like yeah okay i see what you're talking about yeah I got everything planned, bro. I got I got songs that only need singers, like that only need singers. Like I don't stop writing. Right. I have twenty six songs, but I'm gonna put only thirteen out. I'll go back, redo it, make sure it sounds better. Because, like you said, you could you could spit something a thousand times, and then get to that booth and it sounds totally different, and you might not even like the shit. Mm. So. I I just go on working, spitting out loud. You know what I'm saying? I got my, like I said, I got Angry Boy collab. Also BTB members that I hit up. You know, I, when I need to, if I'm stuck or something, shout out to JP. Um, shout out to Kofa. Um, well, yeah, bro, I'm working. I'm working. I want Skywalker to be something fire. Fire. Like fire. I need it to be fire. And even though I feel like, yeah, I put my best work out, I still ain't feel like I put my best work out. I right. still think there's, I'm going to beat you away from hitting that spot. And until then, I'm going to keep working. Even if I get it, I'm going to keep working, bro. What does there's that no spot mean to you? That spot's mean where I could be like, it's not a to be recognized, to be, be respected. You ever been somewhere like I'm, I'm? Even though I'm in Manchester, I got a little support here and there. Like I drove around somebody to hear somebody else playing my song. Get to that's where I want to get to the point. When I'm driving and I hear my song played, or if I'm chilling somewhere and my song is played, okay. I and I'm that. like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not a friend. Just somebody that's you don't even know, bumping somebody your track, that and you come across my, that organically. Yeah, that's that would be a dope thing, man. That would be a that would you don't think that'd be hard to just go in somewhere you chilling, or if you go to a, a get together and your song is up there, you'd be like, Hold the fuck up. What? Somebody playing a trick on me? Yeah. That's that would, what no that'd be pretty big. I I got this I got this little this model that says no ceiling. Says what? Sorry? No ceiling. Okay, yeah. There is no ceiling for me. I appreciate that a lot. I mean, it's no ceiling for me. It's only up. I'm not gonna lie, it's some very New York energy. <clears throat> <laughs> I mean, I interview a lot of New York people. I learned that New York people are absolutely convinced that they can do anything they want to do because they survived New York. And then they explain to me what surviving New York means over the course of like I'm talking like 30, 40 conversations, maybe not that many, about 30 stills. And like, um, yeah, it's consistent as fuck, man. New York's got this energy of like you, know, you can't true. tell Survival me nothing. Is a, is a is a is a big is a big thing. Like like, not a lot of people make it out. To make it out and be successful is a is a beautiful thing. And it's like you can't take anything away. You you just think you can. And I'm like, yo, that actually inspired me a lot. Where I'm at, like, cause not 
let's say I'm not surrounded by that same thirst in Montreal. Montreal is a little more comfortable than it wants to admit because it doesn't have a lot. I'm talking like social services. Like we can go to the hospital, my guy. We can just we can just go to the hospital. Just there, we're done. And it's like <laughs> that, that's it. And that alone is like huge. Sometimes I go, man, imagine like if I broke my toe. And then I couldn't go get like a doctor because it's too expensive. Like that fucks me up. Sometimes I sit there and I think about that for like 10, 15 minutes straight. Like, fuck, man, that must be trippy. Listen, I would love to go to a doctor and actually afford it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But not like, I, one thing I can say about us New Yorkers is that, yeah, we do believe that, but there's a reason. Yeah, I'm not trying to say about anything else. If you can survive in New York and California, you can survive anywhere. That is a very consistent theme. That like you're forced to it. Like uh, my, I'm working with a guy from New York with like a series, and basically his consistent attitude is, New York will make or break you. You are either gonna right. get swallowed up and eaten, or you are gonna come out and just you know whatever. He's like, there's money everywhere in New York. You want money, you can get money. Doesn't matter. It's everything's right. everywhere. You just got to go get it. And that means actually outperforming your competition. Listen, you, you better, it's you against everybody else. So you, it's just, the, the strongest will survive, the weakest will die. That's technically anywhere you go, but something about New York, man. Like, my two daughters from New, that was raised in New York, so my two daughters I was raised over here are two different types of girls. Because they all girly, ha, ha, ha. But the New York ones is like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So you get aggressive. But New York made me what I am, man. And I, and I, I cannot deny that. Man, it I made was me like, I, all I know is I was looking at, like, where you're from. Sometimes it's easy to figure out where people are from. Sometimes you realize that you're not in New York, but it says New York. And, it, and then I'm listening to your music, and I'm like, nah, there's some unapologetically New York shit that I'm hearing in this man's flow. Unapologetically, like, and it's that, like, flow, right? I realized, like, so, so yo, like, in terms of, like, hip-hop identities and shit, like, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck Montreal is supposed to sound like. I know it's not supposed to sound like New York. At least that's my opinion. People can disagree with me. But for a long time, we were heavy influenced by New York. We're actually pretty close to New York. It's, like, what, six-hour drive? So, like, yeah. it's reasonably understandable. But, like, with that, you start to realize how much people are influenced by that New York flow. And I'm like, that makes sense if you're from New York. And if you're not from New York, it often doesn't come off the same. Like Philly has a different sound. You know, Chicago has a different sound. And you start looking at these regional sounds that we're able to branch out. They're like kind of, they're not trying to be New York. They might be inspired by it. They're not trying to be it. Your shit comes off like you come straight from the fucking New York and it works because you can feel it. It's just like one of your tracks, it's like you have like fuck something and then just like fuck you at the end. And I'm like, yo, man, just the way he just doesn't even care. He's just dropping this shit. I can't remember which one. It was on one of these tracks. <laughs> which track that was? And just the way you were saying it. Like, because, yo, previously I had just been kind of like eloquent and then you just like dropped it on. Like, you know what? I got to end this on like a fuck you or a fuck off or whatever. And I'm like, that is an amazing way to end this song. And it just ended hard yeah. stuff like that. And I'm like, yo, that just, that's that shit. You know, like that was the appropriate thing for that moment. Yeah, man. Just like I said, man, whatever beat comes to me, man, like I, like somebody send me a beat and I'm like, 
okay, I'm gonna write about this. I'm gonna write about that. And I just, I, I, I either, like, Marvel versus Capcom for the major song, but I got a beat called Who's Next? And that's inspired off a Goldberg beat. You know what I'm saying? So that one's gonna be mostly wrestling into, but I try to make everything entertaining and something to be like, you know, keep my aggression, but also my wordplay, the lyricism. I try to do, like I said, I just try to put all of it in there, bro. Like I, I try to put a lot in there and just show how good and how what I've got. Because I tell people, if you listen to my first album, to the album you hear now, you can tell the difference of how I got better. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to always keep coming. I, I mean, to me, I listen to, like, your, like, six-track Star Wars one, and then I listen to your new stuff, and I'm not seeing the huge difference you're describing. It's pretty fucking consistent. Like, in, in, in a really complimentary way. Like, maybe... No, 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 no. I know. You're right. Yeah, right. But what I mean is in growth. Like, like I feel like in Sith Lord, they were probably, like, three or four songs... That was like, mm, but didn't like, mm. then Return of the Sentinel, my whole project got cut in half because of samples and everything. So only six songs came up. But if you go to Armadac, all 13 is there. So it's like, it shows that what I up, got Spotify clipped you on like samples and shit. Does yeah, that happen? Samples. Yeah, man. Like they will not. Certain samples, bro, I tell you, I got 13 songs to Return of the Sensible, but on Apple Tunes, they only allowed six. Okay. That makes sense. So the other seven you never heard or hear or whatever is either on SoundCloud or whatever because you will never hear it. So, they, yeah, they do that. It's, bro, trust me, I was I was so upset because never can like when i played never can everybody like that's the song that joint fire but nobody else can hear it because it's not on no major music platform i got a song called luther about luther vandros um scary movies on there um street music yeah, do you have it on bandcamp no i have it on audio mac yo because bandcamp's an interesting one like audio mac Audio Max one of those ones that people send me and I'm like, I've never been on this site. I know it exists, but I've never been on it. But like Bandcamp is like where people could go to buy your shit, right? Like you just put it up for sale direct. I know for a fact that my Led Zeppelin sampled song is up there and it's all good in the hood. So if a Led Zeppelin sample gets through, it's all right. Because, yeah, they didn't clear the Never Can sample at all. So <laughs> Bandcamp doesn't clear anything really. It's more like you just put your shit up and if somebody finds it, whatever. But why I say that is because, yo, you could almost, like, make that a money play, right? Like, you just kind of put it up on Bandcamp and be like, listen, the best shit's over there. Cost you five bucks. <laughs> I'm definitely going to check that out, though. Yo, Bandcamp, yo, Bandcamp's legitimate, dude. Like, everything you have should be on Bandcamp for sale. Or even if you want, zero dollars in donations, depending on what the fucking strategy you want. But it's like... There are people like the homeboy Ismail in my life that will like almost exclusively go to Bandcamp and spend money almost to prove the validity of Bandcamp. But it is direct album sales. And you can put your ISRCs and all that shit into it so like you can track it. And it's fucking... uh... And then, yeah. And it also has a music player built in. So ultimately, like... Yeah, it's still not major, major, but at least you can almost flip that into a strategy to make cash off of it. Facts. Um, I sent you 
both of the beats in your messenger. So whenever you get the chance, you can listen to them. You know what I mean? I will do that. What else is there that you want to share with the folk out there? Hmm. Besides my music, bro, I'm a songwriter. Good dad. Try my best to be a good person, bro. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate having you here, sharing your story with us, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Like, honestly, I mean, your dad, like, you know, <laughs> adds, like, extra stuff. And being a single dad pursuing all this stuff is pretty commendable. Pushing it to the degree that you pushed it is super commendable. Like, I'm really impressed by your talent, your versatility, everything that you brought to it. Um, It's been great to have you here. Everything, uh, your links are all down below so that the people can follow you. So you don't have to worry about that. Everybody's going to see it. Um, thank you all for watching in the live. Thank you all for watching in the future. Everybody out there appreciates it, yo. And we look forward to, to catching Skywalker when it comes and all the singles along the way. So on that note, everybody, it was it being works. Skywalker is in works. We look forward to that. And yo, live long and prosper, everyone. Thank you.